Hey, it's Mike here from Mike the Vegan. I'm here with SoFlow Vegans, and we're talking about all sorts of interesting stuff. Welcome to the season four finale of the SoFlow Vegans podcast. I'm Sean Russell, founder of SoFlow Vegans, and our guest on this week's podcast is vegan YouTuber and one of the most requested guests from our community, Mike the Vegan. We first had the opportunity to meet Mike the Vegan when he stopped down here last year, 2019, for a summit. And from there, we've just kept in touch and have finally been able to bring him on to the show. And on the episode, we discuss his life during the pandemic, his journey to becoming vegan, and we also pick his brain about advice for people going vegan and wanting to start a YouTube channel. And we're also excited to announce that this episode is brought to you by Hodo Foods. I personally have their veggie burgers three to four times a week. I chop them into little cubes, put them on the stove, cook them up with some rice and spinach, put a condiment on it, and I'm good to go. But of course, you can make it however you want. The best part of all is you can find them in Publix, Whole Foods, and Target. So go out, try it if it's the first time, and we would love to hear what you think. So send us a message. Also joining us on this podcast is our media coordinator, Alba the Veg Nurse. So sit back, relax, enjoy your favorite vegan snack, and listen to our episode with Mike the Vegan. You are listening to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. And welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. We are so excited that you're listening to us. You are the winner because you get to have an amazing experience with us and our guests, which I'll get to in a moment teasing it out a little bit. I'm Sean Russell, host of SoFlow Vegans Podcast, as well as founder of SoFlow Vegans. And joining us today, we have our co-host. Hey guys, it's Alba, media coordinator for SoFlow. And welcome back to the SoFlow Vegans Podcast. I'm so happy that you were able to join us. Now, who's joining us today? Who, do, who are we introducing? Well, you guys already know that all of our guests are very special to us, but please welcome another special guest, Mike the Vegan. Welcome. I'm here and I'm so happy to be here after some severe technical difficulties, which is the first time it's ever really happened. So now we're on, you know, a little bit of a, a more bootleg looking uh, webcam, but I'm just honestly, I'm just happy to hear <laughs> you guys' voices now at all. <laughs> and, and before we get into your, your, your background and your expertise and, you know, as far as creating content online, that's something I'm so excited to speak to you about, something we're going to be dipping more into over here at SoFlow Vegan. So it's, you know, there's a lot of reasons why we brought you on, mainly just to be able to pick your brain a little bit. Um, tell us about your origin story. Where, how did you get started on your vegan journey? And make sure that you say that you are Mike, not Mick the vegan. Yeah, Mike like a microphone which we're all talking into. Yeah, so I, about eight years ago, maybe nine years ago now, I need to like look back through the calendar of my life to, to double check. But basically my partner, longtime partner, Lindy, has been vegan for probably 12 years, 13 years now. So she was already vegan when we started dating and we were on a road trip and she handed me the China study and I read it and instantly went vegan. And that's really like the official point where it's like, okay, I read the China study and then I did it. But it was she probably just deserves more credit for just being an example of somebody who's like oh they're healthy they're intelligent about this they're not like crazy about being vegan and they've had great results i mean she definitely had great results going vegan she had like severe 
you know, digestive issues, eating animal products and stuff like that that she got over. So that was what did it. And the China study as a book covers so many topics. People think it's just that one epidemiological study. That's, as they say, one chapter in the book. So it's really the book in general and the other diseases that got me going and interested in it. And so we're just like the next random diner that we went to, <laughs> I tried to be vegan at and it worked, but it was, it was like spaghetti with with like some green beans is what I ate. <laughs> My first official vegan meal. Yeah. Oh. Okay. And so before you decided to go vegan, were there any, can you look back to see any seeds or any experiences that you went through that you were exposed to it and maybe you you were unsure or you mean anything anything I was anything that was like working toward me going vegan or are you are the opposite direction did you come up against any experiences where it was oh you mean anything i was like any hesitations i had going vegan yes all right yeah okay yeah oh for sure yeah i had um the whole complex of oh if i don't eat animal protein i'm gonna like shrink into my own body and uh since then i've gained like 20 pounds and i'm strong obviously i'm not like buff but i'm like stronger than i ever was before (laughs) which is pretty big for me especially that when your biggest fear uh, about going vegan then then turns into the opposite. I just think that's kind of funny and that was my experience. You know, your story sounds very familiar with what my boyfriend went through as well because when I met him, I mean, my boyfriend is six foot three and at that time, four years ago, he was 150 pounds. I was like, I could bench press the guy. Whoa. And yeah, so he was... Um, he was not afraid, but he was like, but what if I lose more weight? And I know you don't like skinny guys and blah, blah, blah. And then at that time he already met like, you know, some of our our friends and supporters of SoFlo, like, Mm -hmm. um, like Tori, he had met, um, badass vegan. And he's like, all of you guys, vegans are huge. How am I going to get like that? So that was his beer, his beer. Yes. His beer. (laughs) That was his beer. And um, I think three years later, he's actually gained over 30 pounds by eating eating whole food plant-based. I mean, he loves um, Gardein, of course, because, you know, he's still in that transitional. But it's been a year. It's going to be a year now since he turned completely vegan and he's gained that weight. That's impressive because I was like, I'm 6'1". And at my lowest, uh, when I was eating meat, I was probably like 145. Mm -hmm. Now I'm like 170. So I guess I gained probably gained like 20 five pounds but that's yeah that's a lot and then did you say he was 110 pounds no 150 pounds okay <laughs> i don't know how i thought i was like that. did i, I say like, that sean no you're with 50 but your response didn't match up so i now it makes sense no <laughs> yeah, your, your facial like, expression was like whoa like, 150 <laughs> yeah, i'm like that's okay. light but i'm like 110 i'm like that's is that even like physically possible anyway the point is yeah a lot of people can get totally buff on a oh yeah diet. You and then Robert Cheek, especially, he was the one that did it for me because, and he's a natural vegan bodybuilder mm-hmm. and he has a whole book on it. And mm-hmm. he was, I saw a presentation in Chicago when I used to live there of him. And he said that he worked out every single day for a year and he gained one pound. And then he just realized it was cause he wasn't even eating enough calories. And so he yes. just, he just went through like how to eat enough calories. And then yes. I did that and I gained like 15 pounds and it was like, he, Oh God. He mentioned that as well when we met him at Balance for Life last year, where we met you at that event. And he was, he even said that he was skinnier than Jose, than my boyfriend, Jose. And it is some, the big mistake he said that some people make when they want to gain weight if you're super thin is, or slim, not thin, slim, is that you're not eating enough calories to supplement what you're working out of. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or just for me, it was, I think my body was in, 
like conservation mode at the amount of calories I was eating basically my entire life. Right. Meat or not, my body was like, there's no way I'm going to gain any muscle, especially because muscle burns more energy. It's like, why would I put on some muscle when I'm hardly getting enough calories to just function? And so I was like, oh, you just create a little bit of a surplus. And then your body's like, okay, time to time to grow. Anyway, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I really like that. That's pretty interesting. So let's let's go a little bit into your your professional background. You see that you have a BS in sustainability. What, what can you explain to us a little bit about what that is? Yeah, it's kind of an obscure degree. They're becoming more more common now, but basically, it's anything climate change related, eco friendly. You know, getting into renewable energy, and you know, like for example, one of my projects was creating a human powered sort of like bike generator so you could but we ran like a blender off a little bike generator and things like that so anything eco like anything green studying climate change especially studying like global economies and local economies as well and just figuring out how to stop climate change basically that's what it's about and then i have been doing my master's in public health for a couple of years part-time now so hopefully Someday I'll finish it, uh, hopefully in the next year. And yeah. That's awesome. So let me ask you this. How did you transition f- into YouTubing? Like how, based on the background you just mentioned, like how, what's that made you say, hey, I want to start a YouTube channel? So another part about me going vegan that I didn't mention is that I was actually a very, I don't even want to say like, paranoid but i was trying to do my due diligence to convince myself that i was okay to an absurd degree and so of course i would read all the studies and be like what about animal protein what about all of these things am i gonna wither away like we were talking about or is there some magical ingredient in chicken that i need that i'm not getting and so i went through and just researched a ton And then it became more research to just defend my diet once I had already made the dietary switch. It just continued that research. And then eventually a few people were like, hey, you should turn what you just told me when, you know, when we were talking about protein or something into a video on YouTube. And two or three people kind of said that and it kind of sparked the idea. And I was like, okay, maybe I should start a YouTube channel. And so I filmed a couple videos on like a laptop, my laptop, uh, camera like this one, which is pretty bad. And, uh, I never, like I posted them on like my personal account and like I did one on even how like keto diet was bad, like way back when it's hilarious to watch. And they were just really, really horribly done. And so they got like no views. And then finally I was like, okay, I'm going to start a YouTube channel. And then again, it comes back to my partner, Lindy helping me out. And she watched the first video that I did. She was just like, this is just not good enough. Like it's, you're repeating yourself. You're saying, um, and like, and it's just like, sounds like you're rambling. Like you have some good points, but it's just not well presented. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to refilm this video. I'm not going to say, um, or like, I'm not going to repeat myself. And that's how like my, my YouTube video style, <laughs> how my YouTube style started. And, uh, it just went from there. So when you, when you're creating, and this is, this is, curiosity here when you're creating your videos what was your process when you first started and then take me take us through what the evolution of that process how like where are you now um process in terms of creating videos well it basically for me it's i think of an idea and i put it on my list of ideas or requested videos it's now it's mostly requested videos 
And then I think whichever one is the most urgent to make that day, I decide to start making the video. And then I just sit down and I film it. And well, usually it takes a lot of research. So I'll do a lot of research and I'll outline the video. And then I'll finally sit down and film it. And then I usually do like six to 12 hours of editing. Mm. And then I can finally post the video. And then life is good. <laughs> so, so you're, so I'm sorry. So, follow up on that. So, you're posting same day or you're bidding content and releasing them on a schedule? Depends. Almost always. It's just so hard for me to sit on a video without posting it, which is why I post on totally random days. Like, I've tried to come up with a day of the week, but then there'll be some video that just takes too long. There's just too much research or it's just not ready to film the day that it should be or some new information comes out. And so I just couldn't like, I don't know why the schedule thing just doesn't work for me. So usually I'll you know, spend a couple of days outlining a video, getting all the research done, and then I'll try and film and edit in one day. And if I fail to film and edit in one day, then I'll, I'll do it in two days. So that's how I work. Okay. Interesting. You mentioned that you um, have requested videos. I do have a request. Oh yeah. Hit me up. Oh yeah. Let's see if I, I made it. I'm gonna go ahead and email it to you and be like, I want this and I expect to be in dedication of the best nurse that I know. Something along those lines. <laughs> gonna, you're gonna tell yeah, us I should, I should is, have right? an official like dedication at the end of people that requested it. So you don't have a specific thing. You're saying in the future you will send me Oh no, I have one. Well, oh, you do? You had a secret? Yeah, you don't I wanna do. say what it is? It's not that. It's just that I want to put it in here because I don't want to take it away from you. So oh, no, it'll work. Yeah. Oh, no, you can't I'm fine bring it up and then not tell it. us. <laughs> what is okay. it? Now we need to know. I want something in regards to healthcare. I know you did a video already on the coronavirus, but I haven't seen anything about what we are doing on the front lines because it's not only nurses who are working, it's also doctors, paramedics, first responders, firefighters, even the environmental people who are putting their lives on the line. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, yeah, I've only briefly mentioned, I've only briefly mentioned really what's going on. And, and as like a side thing, it's hard because I'm always struggling with like, how much do I just focus on like vegan content as being a vegan channel? And um, I definitely, I definitely want to at least give some more shout outs to the healthcare workers and what's going on the front lines. And especially because sometimes I feel like if I don't have enough information or experience on something, I feel like I'm not the best person to talk about it. Like what I would what I would do with that is I'd probably interview somebody who is on the front lines if I get it. So if you end up, yeah, 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 yeah. You also, talk about I, it. I was thinking about as well based on that because we are in the statistics are horrible right now. Twenty percent of the population are medical professionals that are infected, but at the same time, yeah. is does our lifestyle, whole food, plant-based, or more of a raw diet, whatever you want to use, does that give us an advantage over getting the virus? The yeah, virus that's one. It's been struggling. I did um, how to survive, like how to increase survival. And that was based off some somewhat older information early on, some guesses. And a lot of it was like basically going vegan. Yeah. But if you want to do, we could do like a, a brief um, interviewing a, ve a vegan nurse on the front lines, if you want to do that. <laughs> well, one, one of the things, one of the things that has come to the back of my, that come up for me, and maybe both of you have an idea. If let's say you have to go into quarantine or you're at a hospital or something to that effect, how accommodating are they to vegans in terms of what you eat? Because you, you really don't have a choice. I don't believe in that matter. Especially because people who are on ventilators are, they're in like, they're put under. 
right, so that they can breathe without resisting the machine. So uh, they're obviously people are on these for like ten days at a time, so they're intravenously fed, right? So I don't know what they're. Correct. You might. Yeah, you probably know better what that solution is that they're fed or whatever. It's a mixture of calories with amino acids and some vitamins that go straight into the IV. If it's going to be longer than a certain amount of time, and that's when you start getting into something called PEC tubes, holes in the stomach where we're feeding you directly. And those are, it does have some animal products in it, the tube feedings. So it goes based so on the what first the stage is vegan, but the second stage would not be vegan. Yes, not necessarily. It all depends on what the ingredients are. But yes, if you're going to be pretty much on a long term ventilator type of thing and you can obviously ingest food, then you start you need to start getting tube fed. That's just the reality. And as far as I haven't done the research, I don't know. I don't know if they're vegan tube feedings, but yeah. the regular ones that we have, they have they contain animal products. Yeah, which and I into, which brings me into the next question that we wanted to get into. You mentioned that you are a YouTuber. We know that, but you also have a vegan, your vegan channel, YouTuber. What are the advantages or disadvantages of you having a vegan channel? Um, well, disadvantage right away is anybody that is close-minded to vegans in general just sees my username and just will never click on my videos, which is a little bit frustrating. Or though they will click to like hate on them, which is different. But there's like good middle section who's like oh i just don't want to hear anything from vegans who isn't the aren't the people that hate vegans enough to like hate watch them like i know i have some like hate subscribers who immediately when i post a video they'll dislike it like <laughs> within the first like few seconds i'll usually get like three or four dislikes it's funny um and then there's of course all the vegans and vegan curious people that will watch my videos they're fine that might be open-minded ones yeah, and so that's the disadvantage um the advantage is is what i like talking about and there's people that like it, it feels like you're part of a community more like if you're making vegan content all of the vegan youtube community supports you usually unless they decide to turn on you and hate you um <laughs> uh for something you do thankfully that hasn't happened to me yet I'm only within certain circles um i'm known as a chia seed vegan <laughs> what um you have to explain we don't that. need to talk about it. all right again yeah, we don't have to talk about it <laughs> Um, it's not that bad. It's just funny. I just don't, we don't need to. I mean, I've never even heard of that term. I mean, it's I've not heard. a real term. Okay, oh. fine. I'll back it up. I'll back it up. Why not? I'll, I'll give it 10 seconds of this and I'm done. I've had this long sort of feud of ideas between myself and unnatural vegan that happened. It started out with me responding to her video saying that vegans shouldn't say that meat causes cancer. And I gave like five reasons that are backed by research as to why meat probably does cause cancer. And then the WHO came out shortly after that saying, yes, red and processed meats are carcinogenic. Yeah, it's a and, Yeah. And, and anyway, I don't need to rail into her too much, but her response was people are going to eat more chicken now, so it's going to kill, it's going to be worse. Anyway, I disagree with her on so many things, but I made a video of like how to prevent deficiencies on a vegan diet. And my example for omega-3s was chia seeds. I talk about flax all the time. And she went and said, chia seeds are so expensive. You have to eat so many. And so basically you're alienating everybody out of veganism because you use chia seeds as an example, even though um, <clears throat> cost per nutritional requirement is, is relatively low and flax is even cheaper. And uh, she promotes far more expensive products. Anyway, you get you get the idea. Like you <laughs> keep using oh, it, and that's it what keep you going. Mean. Okay, okay. And so I, that's I why it was a term I, that we hadn't heard of before. I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, that's it's not a real term. It's just something okay. People from her, her 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 corner of YouTube called me for a couple of years, and now it hasn't happened in a while. Until now, yeah. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so your YouTube was a fascinating 
world for people who aren't living it day to day. You know, there's this there's this desire to want to become a YouTuber. So you are in that space right now. You've built your audience through a lot of hard work and consistency. What can you give us a paint us a picture on what it's what it's like to have an audience on YouTube? Some things that may not necessarily be true that people think is true or vice versa. Well, first of all, I'll say I am super grateful that people watch and there are like a lot of kids now that like they find out that I'm a YouTuber and they go, oh my God, I want, that's what I want to do when I grow up. And I was like, I never considered that, <laughs> that this is like something that kids want to do. And so it's really interesting, but YouTube in general, um, I don't know, it's, it's really interesting and having that audience, what it's like to have the audience. It's nice to have like a lot of people, especially who will just hop right on there and like support you and what you're doing and keep you in line if you're out of line in an idea or especially I knew it was like <clears throat> I reached a new kind of like frontier when you know normally you're posting videos you get a ton of hate comments right and like you'll get these hate comments and they won't really be like defended they'll just kind of hang there but now it's like I have it to the point thankfully because of the people that watch they'll actually go and defend it and they'll actually use science and points that I would make. So mm -hmm. if somebody goes on and just starts like hating really hard, they get like destroyed and schooled. And so that's where, I, that's where I'm feeling good about it. Anyway, I don't know if that answered your question. No, it does. It gives a little bit of insight into it. So what, you know, obviously you started with zero followers. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. You started with zero followers. So what were some of the things that you did that you found worked that helped you grow your audience over time? Um, well, I will say the first few videos I posted got like zero to five views, like three or four of them in a row. And I basically decided to give up getting a viewership and to just make these as my own personal video journals that I would then reference. Cause okay, I'm gonna make, I'll put all the information on uh, vegan blood and cancer. Like that was the first video I made, how vegan blood kills cancer. And so that was, I was like, okay, that'll just be my video journal for when I want to go back and reference myself, which is something I do do. Like if there, cause I thoroughly research a topic, I put all the links in the description there. And so I'll actually go back and maybe reference my own video on why grass fed beef is not actually good for the environment when I'm having an argument about that. And so I was like, okay, that was, that was what I thought it would be. And then thankfully, um, because of that unnatural vegan video that I made about cancer, happy, healthy, vegan, was also in a feud with Unnatural Vegan about that because he was saying, I oh, know it's pretty clear that it does cause cancer, meat causes cancer. And so I was actually defending Happy Healthy Vegan in that video. And so that he shared it on Facebook, Ryan from Happy Healthy Vegan. And then I got me like 200 or something views. And I was like, that's it. I'm fully satisfied. I've got all the viewership I've ever wanted. And I was like, this is great. And then uh, I kept going. Okay. Okay. It and kind of like snowball from there. How did it snowball? No, I said it snowballed from. Oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, luckily it did. I just kept on. I posted a video every single week for like at least five years. So. Oh, oh. So how long have you had your YouTube channel then? I think it's been five, maybe six. Yeah. Wow. No wonder. Now I understand why you said that it is hard work because it does take years to build those massive audiences. It's not like a one, two, three process. You can build it quicker. It's not always oh, as sustainable okay. though. Yeah, like I've seen some people who are more on there, like they'll have like a certain aesthetic that people want to achieve, you know, and they'll sort of take advantage of um, that and like people's insecurities or they'll do like weight loss kind of programs and they'll just get a hundred thousand like that, you know, and, and then 
they'll, or they'll boom with subscribers, but then because they're not constantly creating new interesting content, then they'll, they're like subscriber to view ratio will get really distorted. So it, it's hard, it's hard work. But um, if you have, you know, if you have something new to give every week, then you can keep going. So you know what? Let's get into that. Let's pretend that I want to put a YouTube channel. And you, I know that in your website you do have tips and, and little uh, suggestions on how to do this. But um, most of your tips and your advice for, let's say, me, that I want to start YouTube, what would you start with? Is this a hypothetical question? Hypothetical. Or you... <laughs> hypothetical. Completely hypothetical. hypothetical. <laughs> um, first things first, I would make sure you lock down just a couple things, which I did do first, which was just a name that is like not impossible to remember, which sadly, I mean, some people, if they're just using their normal name with their real name, which is a little bit more common nowadays, uh, it can just be hard to remember someone's real name. But doing that and then making an intro or having paying somebody online just a little bit of money to make an intro that is just like makes the videos seem like they're produced helps a lot. Like I just feel like if people people click on a video and, and it feels like there is not really any work put into it, then they're going to be less likely to keep watching. And then, of course, as you can build it, getting better audio and lighting. Like right now, the lighting on me is horrible. Like if I was posting videos with this current lighting, um, I probably would have lower viewership. <laughs> um, so the biggest change in my production was going from natural light, which is really inconsistent, to just getting a couple lights off Amazon which I hate supporting, but it was like, I don't know, 60 or 70 bucks was enough for me to start filming um, consistently. And that completely changed everything. Um, and then nowadays phones are usually good enough. But uh, yeah, starting like that, having that good intro. So just putting a little bit more, little bit more effort before you post that first video. And then that'll make the first video more likely to take off, even, even though it might take four or five videos to get to break 10 views, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. And you, there's no way to hashtag anything. Like if people are searching for it, it doesn't work like Instagram or Facebook. Oh, well, it will help. Tags are less powerful than they used to be under the videos, but you get three hashtags under YouTube video now. So if you were like, like if I had to start over again, I would really be focusing, and this is still what I do, really focusing on current events and things that are trending, which is good to do psychologically it's good to also do videos that aren't trending or just things that you're interested in but if you can do that and use yeah just use like the hash sadly hashtagging coronavirus or covid19 um over those last several videos that i've made has uh cost me a lot of income because they all got demonetized but i felt like i need to keep making them um and then they, they get like limited ads but it's very clear that they basically were demonetized um and then they get remonetized like three weeks later when no one watches them really annoying um, so tags can be a double-edged sword, uh, <clears throat> but you know, you just got to, uh, just got to strategize a little bit, but then don't get too in your head about those things. Because if you go too crazy with titles and thumbnails and all of a sudden it's extremely energy sucking to, to be producing a video, then you're just going to not do it. I've sat down with 20 people to try and teach them things to help them to create a YouTube channel. And almost none of them have actually done it for more than four videos. Mm it's that, too hard to edit that, so when you say monetize so you, you can make money off of youtube video but how much is good money or considered good money totally depends because it depends on what your content is because like somebody who's making a makeup video will make a lot more money off makeup ads than somebody who's talking about something else 
Um, <clears throat> but then view time, watch time, something that's really helped me is making longer videos because people watch them for a longer period of time. And then that means they see more ads. I'd love if there were just no ads and I would still be able to support myself doing it. Um, and then that way you make money. And so you could, I mean, a million views, it's all about how many views you get per month. And then, so, you know, a million views could be anywhere between just a thousand dollars and ten thousand dollars, depending on the watch time. So, or okay, so, oh, okay, so do you go by weekly or monthly? Type well, of I think everyone thinks monthly because that's what the YouTube revenue report is. But anyway, that's like the less fun side of it for me. It's just like <laughs> I just try to hit certain metrics to survive, and then probably do way fewer um, commercial promotions than I should do to support myself fully. <laughs> Or, or as well as I could. So, um, anyway, yeah. So shift- Patreon for me is huge. Patreon keeps me going. Thanks so much, guys. So shifting away, and what's that Patreon? Just so we, since we're talking about it, uh, Patreon is uh, usually it's a way to support like artists and creators. No, your Patreon. Your Patreon. I have one. Yeah. So people help me. They just you know they give me a little bit of money each month, and then it adds up to enough to help out a lot. So. All right, and then shifting a little bit away from the from the way you create to the way you research like and i know research is a huge part of it and um, what's your what's your process in how you research um well i try to just go through and glean all of the material on a given topic like for example right now i am about to film a video on all of the outbreaks and slaughterhouses of covid 19 throughout the u.s and so i'm asking the question is this something that could be spread by pigs, for example? And so I'm going through all of the studies that mention pigs and COVID-19 or SARS and figuring out which ones are worth putting in the video, which ones aren't. And that way I can present the best information on whatever topic it is, or if it's like a a disease and whether a vegan diet helps with that or not. Like for example, I'm going to probably do a gout video sometime soon. So I'll just look at all of the studies I can find on that. And sometimes I'll even read all of the articles that are news articles on it or just written in general and then those will sometimes lead me to other studies that aren't as easy to find and so i'll just basically just sort of sweep the whole internet for all the studies that i can find and and try and kind of weave it into an easy to understand knowledge bomb i don't know what else you want to call it so i've seen several of your videos where you're showing your travels you know of of going to different places obviously we're we're all stuck in in isolation right now. So I wanted to just give the listeners an opportunity to escape for a moment. What are, can you tell us any interesting stories or some of the places that you visited that like blew your mind? Um, I've been really fortunate to be able to travel from like VegFest to VegFest or do like for, for presentations. Uh, like I went to Hawaii to give a presentation for the Vegetarian Society of Hawaii where amazing people and that was really cool going there and just like witnessing Hawaii and uh, going to, you know, like seeing sea turtles, and, you know, going snorkeling and stuff like that was pretty awesome. And even really just witnessing the cultural, you know, issues there as well with, with uh, locals versus non-locals. And then, you know, I went to the UK, went to, it was also just traveling I've done that I've sort of weaved into other trips, like we went to Greece. But that UK trip was really epic because that was the UK vegan camp out and we had Thousands, we still don't know how many people were in the crowd for the presentation, but there were definitely thousands. It was like a massive building. 
And that was the most people I'll probably ever speak in front of, which was pretty intense, but it was really cool, really rewarding. Met a bunch of really awesome people. Uh, got to meet a bunch of like the the um, the British uh, vegan activists who were really cool. And just just going around from festival to festival and meeting the people that like, you don't realize that a lot of these people you're watching on YouTube or just following on Instagram are really cool people. Mm-hmm. Like you're interested in them for a lot of reasons that, that are connected to how cool they are. Um, and so it's really cool to meet them. So cool. I'm saying cool a lot because that's just <laughs> the way it is. Uh, but just traveling is just going to LA a lot um, for the Veg Fests, which is sadly going to be online this year. I might may or may not present there virtually. Um, but that's always cool because it becomes a little bit of a reunion. I've also gone to like a little vegan camp in Canada a lot, which is really like family oriented and just super good way to decompress. And you know, you know, you go on go tubing on the boats and canoeing and, and hiking and all this just fun stuff and vegan potlucks every day of different cuisine. And it just sort of, just sort of a good way. Traveling is amazing and I'm lucky to be able to do it. And I will say, because this is, I'd be annoyed hearing that somebody's traveling that much. I, <laughs> I have been buying carbon offsets for what it's worth. <laughs> Hopefully that helps. So when you're, when you're tra- like food, you know, we're, that's a big staple in being vegan. What are, what are some of your favorite places or some of the, the dishes that you've had at certain places that still stay in the back of your mind? That's a good one. Well, first of all, I'll say you definitely want to use happy cow if you're traveling. Cause that'll give you all the vegan restaurants. Um, there, man, there are so many incredible ones. Um, there's one that is really random and Probably it's not even a fully vegan restaurant, but they convene. They have like a fifty percent vegan menu, maybe sixty percent. Um, in Greece, in Athens, there's this place called Feyruz, which is like this Syrian slash Greek, uh, like a really family um, recipe style place that is like baked little. I don't even know what to call them, <laughs> but that's one that just goes down in history as as we we ate there like three times because it was the probably some of the best food I've ever had in my life. And so that was incredible. And then there's just, I don't even know, there's just so many amazing places in LA that are just delicious that I can't even, I don't know, it all just like blurs together into a into a bunch of amazing dishes. You can watch my videos on it to see what, <laughs> what we're eating. Um, and then there's just like my favorite restaurants around, like Amitabul in Chicago. Mm. Uh, whenever I travel through there, I try to eat there. It's Korean. And like mostly oil free, which is awesome too. Okay. So it looks like you also put in not only in your videos, you put in a lot of research, but you put in a lot of research of the places that you're going to travel for work and what is the best places for me to eat, which kind of puts me into that um, that mindset of research because I am also working on my master's. God willing, I graduate in a month and I'm over it already. I'm like over school. Yeah. But what are like some of the research that you kind of use, like? ones that are very reputable because a lot of people are like oh yeah we'll do the research but some people don't know if they should do a dot com a dot gov or maybe they should use books medical journals yeah that's really hard because most people don't really know how to like go onto pubmed and search for a topic properly or not even properly but just it's just not even a good search not even that great of a search engine for somebody just intuitively to get on uh, I would say if you are somebody who's a little bit more of a novice, you can usually just work your way back through articles that have been written in 
you know, news journals that are rep relatively reputable. And then hopefully they've cited what they're talking about. Or like if you're going on something like Science, Science Daily, they always link the source below. And then that way you can go back and look look at what journal it came from, if it's peer-reviewed. And most, you know, 95% of these journals are peer-reviewed at this point. But you can just, if you're ever curious, just say, is blank journal peer-reviewed? Is the journal Nature peer-reviewed? Which obviously is. And then you'll get blah, blah, blah is peer-reviewed. And so there's a lot of ways to go about research. And it can be hard, though, because scientific literacy is something that we've just done a bad job of teaching people to have. And so you have to take it slow a lot of the times. Like if you're going on to a study, you have to just think, is that a term I know? And if I don't know it, then look at the definition. And if that brings up other definitions, uh, then you can learn those. And pretty soon you're, you're sort of teaching yourself a science class and you have to maintain a little bit humble because you can, everyone is going to make mistakes. For example, uh, I made definitely made my fair share of mistakes, you know, like talking, one of them was years ago when I was talking about morning sickness, I mixed up like, emesis gravidarum and hyperemesis gravidarum and everyone's like you're an absolute idiot <laughs> and it's like yeah maybe i should have been a little bit more careful but it's like if i could just mute myself entirely or just do my best and so i've just been trying to do my best and now that i'm i've learned a lot more and uh just kept researching a lot it's helped so i have to agree with you um for people who are not in the sciences or in the medical field a lot of these um scientific books written earlier they're not for people who are in the U.S. They read in the fifth grade level. And yeah. um, what I like with some of the doctors and some of other scientists, they have actually have toned down the medical talk or the scientific talk for a way for everybody to understand. So that way, every type of information is accessible and readable and understandable. Yeah. And there's another thing, too, that's that's funny that happens is like doctors and these people also make mistakes all the time, like the amount of doctors that believe that there's no dietary connection with heart disease is that is just a fatal flaw that they're making that is incorrect and we don't go there you know we, we if somebody else made a similar mistake that wasn't a doctor we would say it's because they're not a doctor and i'm not trying to say everybody should is equivalent to an expert but i'm saying that we shouldn't be as discouraged from making mistakes and and just being a little just just not being 100 percent sure about everything and just saying this is likely the case or the, according to this source, this is it. Instead of saying, absolutely, this is the case. I found that, you know, there was a lower rate of kidney disease in this vegan population. Therefore, all vegans always have lower kidney disease and vegan vegan diets immediately cure, cure kidney disease. No, you have to like look at things in perspective and maybe read read up on correlation and causation and things like that before making a lot of claims anyway. Yeah, I agree with you. And a lot of other doctors or even medical, even nurses, we still we don't know everything. It, we're still in a learning process, and at the same time, schools don't necessarily teach you about nutrition. Yeah, yeah. The average doctor has twenty three and a half hours of of uh, medical or of nutritional training for medical school. So, so on the lighter side of things, you know, because there's a lot of times for us to be indoors right now. What are you doing when you're not to pass the time leisurely? I am lucky that I'm in an, I'm in Iowa, which I think should be on a more strict lockdown. But even if it wasn't, I happen to be living like in a tiny house on land that I could technically just walk outside at any point and do whatever I want. And like the trails are open and there's not very many people. I, I live in a place that's rural and 
has a low population density, so I can get away with a lot more. Um, but there are things being offered, like my normal yoga teacher is offering online yoga courses. So people can, anybody can do that from anywhere. Hopefully they have a yoga mat. Um, it might not be essential and mailed to them instantly, but they could figure something else out. Uh, and then uh, trying to eat healthy is is definitely harder when you're trapped in this situation. So we've been we've been lucky enough to pull that off. We like we had a slump. We were like started relying more on frozen foods, and then we've come out of it a little bit, which is great. Um, but it's it's not easy. It's really really easy to just like sit and watch some extra Netflix. Uh, but thankfully I have enough projects with the tiny house that I'm just forcing myself to just keep going and, and get out there and just creating. So I've been creating a lot of things, making things physically. Like right now, my latest project, which I'm going to post on TikTok, oh. <laughs> just cause it's just something I don't like, I'm not, not going to really mention on YouTube. Um, it's like one of those shields that you see going into a grocery store. They have, I call them Corona shields between you and the clerk, the checkout person, so that if somebody isn't wearing a mask or they cough, there's just a little extra barrier. So there's a local vegan restaurant that I just made one of those for. Just took an old storm window, got it for a dollar, and uh, just put some nice stained wood around it. And then we're gonna install that tomorrow for them. And so they're gonna have a little Corona shield. So like doing things like that, helping people out, you know, maybe if you can sew some masks or make things, and then just like trying to stay stretched out physically and, uh, keep moving and things like that are really good, which I need to even do more. So, and what, what is your TikTok? What is your, that they can find it? Oh, it's just Mike DeVita. It's really bad. I posted like three TikToks <laughs> and they're just not good. And, and I probably, probably won't even post that much on there. It just seemed like a video that would be good to just post on TikTok. So hopefully I'll, I'll pull that together. <laughs> so to wind down the podcast then, um, what very quickly, what are some projects that you want to tell us that you're working on or plans for projects? Well, obviously, I'm trying to finish my master's in public health, but I'm also trying to not do it too much for it to take away from making videos. Mm -hmm. um, honestly, I was working on a documentary to do to uh, look at the pig farming in Iowa, and I got a lot of drone footage, and I got some footage of actual pigs in one interview, but it was so hard to get people to talk. You know, people's lives are destroyed who are neighbors of these factory farms, but they're just too afraid to talk because they're you know, also the neighbors of people who are farming these pigs and they don't want to be creating any like neighbor fe neighbor feuds or anything like that. So that was really hard and I got discouraged and I might pick that back up again, but I'm just tired of telling people that I'm doing it because they get their hopes up and then it's like, it's not done. So that's one project. Sorry, I'm, I'm touching my face. I got to remember to not touch my face. There's just no one around. So I'm not going to, anyway, uh, projects just keep, keep making videos. I've, also got another project on the back burner, which is one for you uh, about YouTube, starting a YouTube channel and getting it going. It's oh, a nice. YouTube sort of masterclass, which I've outlined and created like one of the six lessons of. And so that's something that it's hard for me to keep doing because I want to just put that time into making more YouTube videos and, and continuing all the things I need to make. But so I got, I got projects. And for everybody, for the few people who may be listening to this who aren't really following you on YouTube, where can people find all of your info? Just type M-I-C space the space vegan <laughs> into YouTube or just Mike the Vegan into YouTube and that'll be good. Um, at Mike the Vegan on pretty much any of those main platforms except Twitter because that was just too much for me psychologically. <laughs> One too many platforms. 
So Instagram and Facebook, I'm on there. TikTok, I'm like failing trying to be on there <laughs> just because why not? It's an exciting new platform. Um, but YouTube is where I'm mainly at. All right. Well, we want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with SoFlow Vegans. We really appreciate you. And if you're listening to this for the first time and you want to hear more episodes, get the show notes for this episode when go to soflowvegans.com slash podcast. Thank you so much, Mike. We really appreciate you. Yeah, thanks. So keep, keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate it a lot. And uh, I also realize it's just youtube.com slash Mike the Vegan. That's probably the easiest. <laughs> but yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And, and yeah, keep doing thank what you're you. doing, guys. We'd like to thank both Mike the Vegan and Hodo Foods for making this episode possible. Tune into our next episode where we introduce a few new surprises, features, and our first season five guest, Jane Velez Mitchell, founder of the massive Jane Unchained Network. Also, go to soflowvegans.com slash podcast to see all of our past episodes. We are available on all the major platforms, so subscribe, leave a review, and tell a friend. In preparation for our new season, we want to hear from you. If you have any feedback or would like to have us answer any of your questions about veganism, please send them to contact at soulflowvegans.com. So from all of us here at SoulFlow Vegans, go vegan and come back again soon.